the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to SoCal Live for hour two of our great program and time together. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former Twitter board member. I never did own 9% of the company. I guess Elon Musk, he's, uh, I don't know if you follow this kind of stuff, but uh, he got bugged about Twitter, the social media platform Twitter, and decided to start his own. And then he decided, no, you know what, I'm going to buy influence. So he bought 9% of the company. And then he joined their board, and then he tweeted out a bunch of stuff about how the company's in trouble, and now he's quit their board. And now there's all this freakout about whether or not he is going to buy the whole company. And if you're Elon Musk, you can. Twitter is worth $41 million, or billion, billion with a B, and uh, he, I guess he has that in his wallet. Uh, so he can just do it. Uh, why not? I guess you <laughs> – you know, that's, well, that's one way to, to beat him. Uh, now do Disney. Disney is worth $300 billion. That would be all that uh, Elon Musk, I think, has. I think that might be where he is actually actually worth. Um, but uh, maybe that's the right approach to uh, some of the things going on with uh, companies that uh, if you're, like, super rich, I guess you just buy the company. Remember that guy? Was it Razors or something? I like the company so much. I don't know. It was the Razor, right? The Remington Razor, I think. I like this razor so much, I bought the company. Remember those commercials? If you were old enough to remember that, it was the funniest thing. Well, that's that's Elon Musk. I got so irritated with Twitter so much, I bought the company. Uh, must be nice, I guess, to be able to do that. Maybe he will do some good with that, or maybe he's just going to launch the board out into space. One of those two things. Really glad you're with us on Southern California Live. You can call us and join the conversation at any time, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. That's the number. You can also email the show, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Send us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. If we get it during the show in enough time, we can put that on the air, too, and take your questions that way. I know if you're sitting at your desk and listening, it's uh, not necessarily the right time to send uh, to make a phone call. But uh, if you can't, use the email address, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Otherwise, the number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Well, there's been a lot going on in the world today and uh, last over the last uh, few days, actually, over the weekend. Lots of things going on. What's happening in Ukraine, just got to keep an eye on it. There's some reports in a British newspaper that some chemical weapons are being used. I don't know if you saw that. Um, and, you know, with the with all of this stuff, you have to wait. Um, sometimes, you know, poisonous substance is being dropped on the city, but it could be that an aircraft flew over and had to dump its fuel for some normal reason. There's There's reasons that things get reported. It could be just made up, right, to try to generate more help. There's There's so much that goes on um in all of this but it's looking pretty brutal and so we need to be in a lot of prayer something i i did um enjoy that boris johnson the british prime minister went to kiev and hung out with zelensky and they they strutted around town did you see those videos if you go online you can see those videos it's amazing it's actually historically um a powerful moment we don't know how things are going and it's it's very symbolic i mean i don't think uh 
uh, you know, and NATO is still not joining the battle, but to have a world leader um, like Boris Johnson actually show up and walk around Kiev is very defiant. Um, it's a it's a powerful, a good move, I think. I thought President Biden might do that. Um, he 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 didn't. I don't know if they had plans to. Um, you know, he said something when he was over in Poland. He uh, when he was talking to the troops, he said. When you get there, you're going to see all the suffering. And people said, what do you mean when we get there? Are we going in? Are you? Are we sending troops in? And maybe he didn't mean to say that. You know, sometimes that happens. And there was some suggestion that the president might go in there. Uh, Mr. Biden is is not that great of a, a walker just at his, his age. Uh, and that's normal for somebody his age. So maybe there was some thought about doing it or not. Timing was different. Anyway, I thought that that is uh, an amazing thing. Um, and hopefully uh, a piece of of hope. What do the Ukrainians do on uh, Holy Week? Have you thought about that? We, I think we're celebrating Holy Week this year um, at a time where it feels like maybe there's something a little more normal to us this year. Two years ago, Holy Week was shut down. Most churches uh, didn't were not open. Almost every church was not open. You didn't have usual things that you do. And um, the next year, a lot more churches were open. It still kind of wasn't usual, at least here in California. In a lot of states, they were completely open by this time last year. But uh, in some states, it's really, uh, in California, for example, we were, I think we still had a mask mandate. Maybe we had, I don't remember, because the the churches, um, the Supremes eventually ruled that the churches don't have to follow all the rules. And at our church, what we did was we said, ah, you know what, we're going inside, we're going to do church, and uh, we just asked people to respect each other. And that was kind of our rule, and it worked. We had some people wear a mask, and some people didn't. And some people stayed home and watched it online, and some people came. And uh, you know, relatively speaking, we didn't have a lot of the tension that was there. But still, last year was was unusual. Uh, we do a, a Good Friday prayer walk, and we set up little stations around and um, we didn't have as many people come. There were still quite a few people um, uh, not really willing to go out, and, and it's interactive. We'd, I don't think we even thought about this at the time, but what we set up, it's got stuff that you touch, that you pick up, right? So there's these nails that would go into the, the cross, and then you, you write down you know, maybe what you're struggling with or what Jesus has taken away, a sin, and you put that on the cross. My favorite is this bag of, a uh, tiny little bag of quarters. I put 30 quarters in there, and it represents the 30 pieces of silver. And you can pick up that bag, and what's profound by it really is that you can't believe how light it is and that Jesus was betrayed for this. It was worth relatively certainly more than 30 quarters, but not really worth a lot. When you feel that weight, you go, wow, our Lord was betrayed for this. Um, I'm even more amazed that no one's ever stolen any of those quarters out of that bag all these years. Um, and that's, you know, it's fine if they want to take it. We're not going to prosecute. But um, anyway, we're looking forward to doing that again this year. Things have changed in our in our world. It's almost normal uh, if you consider uh, the war in Europe, $6 gas, and the end of women's sports, and the existence of men and women in general is normal. That's So we're, it's not really that normal, but it's different. Um, in Ukraine, obviously, things are not normal. In Ukraine on Good Friday, we'll talk about this this Friday, a little bit, but uh, their normal routine for Good Friday is actually to fast and to only speak in a whisper to each other. Culturally, this is kind of how the churches deal with Good Friday. Um, 
And I thought, how profound is that going to be this year in the middle of war when some are fasting, not by choice, but because there's no food. And some are whispering, not by choice, but because they don't want to be heard because their life is in danger. So it's a wild time this year that we live in. It really is. Um, Anyway, I hope that you take this week. We're going to take some time every day this week and talk about Holy Week like we did last hour. What happened on Monday, we talked about last hour. What happens on Tuesday, we'll talk about tomorrow uh, because tomorrow's Tuesday. That's how we roll. And uh, we'll do that. And I want to take a look at some of the things in the news today. There's something, uh, there's a lot going on that's interesting. Something that caught my attention that I didn't know about is that in Florida, they've passed a bill. Uh, this isn't the bill that you're thinking of. That was the the parental rights bill. It's called the Don't Say Gay bill. This is the uh, uh, a bill that is about uh, fathers. It is a groundbreaking uh, role about supporting fathers. This is Governor DeSantis announcing this bill today. And that's why we're here today. I'll be signing HB 765, uh, which helps support 7065, which helps support fathers and encourage their active participation in their children's lives. And we had a great uh, legislative uh, leaders uh, bring this across the finish line, including Speaker Sprouls. Uh, so we want to thank them. But they also, not only are there good initiatives, this comes with funding uh, that will help make those initiatives effective. So this bill is tied to $70 million in funding uh, to provide a wide array of family and youth support through our Department of Children and Families, as well as our Department of Juvenile Justice, uh, and they will be working very closely uh, to support fatherhood throughout our state. Um, at Department of Children and Family, this bill um, is going to create a statewide awareness campaign to call attention to the importance of responsible fatherhood and to equip fathers with resources to stay engaged in their children's lives. I was, uh, um, in one hand, I'm impressed that this is actually something that's being considered by any legislature anywhere. It seems like it's been a long time since we have really seen a uh, government entity really push fatherhood. Um, and I'm happy about that. On the other hand, I'm like, wow, it's too bad that we need this. It's too bad that that the culture itself isn't doing more for fatherhood. I'm glad about this, Bill. I'm curious about what you think. Uh, what can we do to improve and help dads? Are you a dad? And, uh, you know, is it, do you find it to be more difficult? I've been thinking about this myself. Is it more difficult for me to be a father than it is for my dad to be a father uh, to me? And I'm not talking about different behaviors of different kids, you know, I was a pastor's kid, and uh, I have two pastor's kids, and, uh, you know, there's stuff that goes on with that. And, uh, um, but I'm wondering, is it more difficult uh, to be a father, or is it just uh, kind of the same and we're paying more attention? What is it that, you know, how can we do better at helping fathers? How can the church do better in helping fathers? Whenever I see the, the politicians do stuff, I have two different emotions. I get kind of excited to see when our government tries to help fathers here or help homeless people or do things that I think are good, that, that we really need to do. And God bless our country, that we have a country where governing officials think those things are important. Uh, great. But at the same time, I think that's not what government is for. As a student of government, 
uh, government is for uh, you know making sure that the country runs right and that good decisions are made about foreign policy and that trade happens and that the roads are fixed and that uh, civil justice is done uh, in an appropriate and uh, fair way. There's a whole lot of things for uh, the government to do. But I think also the government understands that the problems we've had with fatherhood in the United States are compounding a lot of the problems we have with crime and especially with with crime with kids. So what's happening here is this bill is about $70 million and it's going to provide resources for Florida fathers uh, to help children and families. Um, And uh, it's had a whole lot of foundations that are a part of it, including a foundation that's led by a Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer, Tony Dungy. And there's a lot of people who are a part of it. There's going to be a lot done for uh, the Department of Juvenile Justice. A lot of kids who are just in a lot of trouble, who need mentoring, who often don't have a dad who's around for various reasons. And they really need some kind of mentor who isn't somebody who's just part of a gang or somebody who is a celebrity of some kind who's influencing them in the wrong way or even just a friend who influenced them in the wrong way. I've got a, uh, I've got a friend who is a chaplain at Juvenile Hall, and this chaplain uh, he he gives the same sermon all the time wherever he goes, and it's it's actually super good. And he talks about how the kids who he deals with are kids who, when they get in trouble, um, you can read about it online. When they get in trouble, what happens is their head is pushed against the hood of a police car. It's what he usually says. And they are taken out of their families wherever they live, and they go somewhere for a year or two. And, you know, a big part of his job as chaplain is to be a mentor to these kids, to share Christ with them, to give them a reason to not go back to whatever crime they were committing, whatever lifestyle that they were entering into. And it's really hard because when there's no dads on the outside or when fathers are just not connected, you know, and let me, we're talking about kids in the juvenile system now, and that's one issue, but I think dads are in trouble in a lot of issues. I find myself in a place where I'm staring at my phone instead of talking to my kids and I just have to shut it off and put it away. We live in a country, a culture where there is so much distraction away from dads being dads. I think there's a lot of pressure for, for dads to not be the men that we're called to be. And uh, it's a challenge. What can we do? 888-528-2557 is the phone number. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, how can we help fathers? In our, in our country? Do we need to do it through legislation? Uh, do we need to do it through some kind of state funding? And how is that really going to work? I'm, I'm looking at this going, I'm, I'm excited, but uh, I'm glad that the governor of Florida thinks this is important and their legislature thinks it's important. Probably it'll be copied in different states across the country, maybe everywhere uh, at some point. But even they admit the speaker of the Florida House, Speaker Chris Sprouls, he said, we cannot legislate fatherhood. We cannot legislate accountability or character, but we can provide supports for fathers to equip and encourage them to take an active role in the lives of their children. What can we do, dads? What can we do better? How do we help other dads in our church? Do you have a men's program that that really works? You know, what I find is that dads are tired. Moms are tired too. I mean, we're talking about dads in this segment, but, you know, people are exhausted. I think in our culture today, People are tired. We were having a conversation about, you know, all the things that you're asked to get involved in at church. 
you know, we do these men's ministries sometimes, and then the men's ministry is, is you got to come to the Bible study every weekend. We want you to be in a small group, and we want you to volunteer on Sunday, and all of this time, and then you come to the men's breakfast, and then we yell at you for not spending enough time at home with the family, but we're asking you to be at church for all of these hours. Um, we have to rethink that. Don't you think so? 888-528-2557. What are some ways that we can... Um, encourage fatherhood? What are some ways? Do you think that fathers feel like they are just not loved? Do you think that we feel like um, we are um, not uplifted in the society a little bit more? It's interesting being in my family with uh, me and my two boys and my wife, who is the only woman in the house, and we just recently got a dog, and uh, she remarked in a funny way. She goes, we should have got a girl dog because all I did was surround myself with another dude because we got a boy dog. And uh, I thought that's funny because um, she could be pretty funny that way. But she's she's thinking about this herself. She's going, I live in this environment um, with a bunch of guys, and she has four sisters and one brother. So it's it's different. And Anyway, I thought this was something that is is relevant to our, our world today, that the government feels like it needs to improve fatherhood. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. What are some ways that we can do to improve, uh, that we can help dads, that we can help dads everywhere be dads? I think that there is a role for the church in here. I think that there is a role for us to... Uh, speak out in a culture that is, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I don't want to join the whole bandwagon of anti-men, but it it is in some ways. And I'm not saying that, that women aren't uh, pushed down and excluded. They are. That's uh, the way it always is. I mean, even in the uh, all this discussion about the transgender swimmer, um, what's happening there is it's hurting women. It's hurting women's sports. It's shocking that we are not just, as an entire country, outraged at, at this. Um, so there's always a, a place where, where women are being, uh, put under. That's why the man has to be, is supposed to lift the women up. That's why the man and the role of, in marriage is to lay his life down for his wife and lift her up as Jesus does the church. And part of that is because women are always put down. What are some things that we can do to help men and help men be better fathers? What are some things that we can do so that the government doesn't have to? 888-528-2557. I'll get to your calls here in just a moment on that question. Fatherhood matters. I've been, I'm blessed with my dad. I am blessed with a father who was a great father. And when you get older, you, you begin to realize that your parents aren't perfect. And if you thought so as a kid, or maybe you didn't think so as a kid, when you get older, you start to realize the different things that they had to go through. I never understood as a kid why my dad had to have different jobs. He was a pastor of a church, but he also drove a truck. He taught in the schools. He taught in seminary. He taught at the community college. Uh, he did all kinds of different different jobs. I never understood the, the truck driving job until I got older and I found out um, that we needed money. And I never felt broke as a kid, but we were. We were rolling pennies for gas broke. That's where we were. Uh, Lisa from North Hollywood, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? I'm good. What's on your mind? How do we, how do we help fathers? You know what? I think that we need to start with women, too. 
-hmm. I think that us as women have allowed too much of this. I think that we have um, allowed men to not marry us. I think that we've allowed um, us to just be impregnated and not, you know, let them have any responsibility. Um, I think that's a big thing, too. Us saying no, us saying no to sex before marriage, us just really putting boundaries down ourselves first. Um, I think it has a lot to do with that. Do you think that in a relationship, I mean, everybody's responsible, but would you say that that is really the, the woman's role or should the man take that role? I mean, where shouldn't the man say we're not going there? The man should, but I feel like in a lot of these situations, I mean, the man's just going to go as far as the woman lets him. You know, I think that, again, we need to be strong women. I tell this to a lot of my friends, my sisters, and, um, you know, it, it, it does some of it has to do with us, too, you know, us being strong and us, you know, saying no. I mean, believe me, it's hard, friend. I've been single for a long time, and saying no has probably kept me single for as long as I am. But, you know, you have it has to start somewhere, even if it means us as women. Yeah, well, good for you for uh, for being strong and following Jesus with that. You know, I would I would definitely, you know, when I teach, it's everybody's responsible. But, guys, we have to play that role. If we're in the dating relationship— with somebody, and uh, we're the ones who need to set those boundaries. Um, she can do it because she has to. I think that's what happens because I think what Lisa just said is right. Uh, unfortunately, in, in reality, is that the guys are like, "Well, how far can I go?" And uh, you know, I used to teach young adults, right? In uh, and this was the question with a lot, of, and I teach through the Book of Song of Solomon, and you know, so often you get, you know, how long can I wait till I pull the ripcord? How close to the cliff can I walk, mommy? These are the things, you know, it's like a game of how far I should go. Um, But guys, uh, i got to go to a break, but I'm going to say this. If you're single and you're dating, tell you what, you set the boundary. And the boundary is here. I'm going to tell you where it is. The boundary is wherever it is that if you go over it, you're disobeying Jesus. That the boundary is, you know, we can all come up with a different way, different reason, different, you know, how far is too far, all of that. We'll have a different answer. But what is the wise thing to do, and where is it that you are no longer honoring Christ in the way you treat this woman? I think this has a lot to do with fatherhood, because I think fathers are kind of, um, you know, we're just sort of left our own devices and our man cave and our video games and uh, the porn for a lot of guys, and we just don't know who we are. This has got to be fixed, all right? I got to take a break. 888-528 is the number, 888-528-2557. That's the whole number. 888-528-2557. This is the Monday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. Thing. What do we do to help dads that takes that need away so the government doesn't even have to spend money uh, doing that. Or maybe maybe that's okay. Maybe you think that's fine. I'm, I'm glad that we live in a country where the government feels like it wants to help. But I think that this is a role primarily for the church, but also for anybody to really help dads. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Rosie in Buena Park, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, this is Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Tell Hi. us what's on your mind. I was, I, I was kind of uh, adding to your previous caller that was talking about um, who is to set the boundaries. And, of course, um, there's a problem of, you know, women just 
giving in to men, and um, and it's not just secular women; it's Christian women as well. The amount of women outnumber the amount of men, and the pressure is, of course, on the men trying to convince the woman to, you know, go ahead and have sex out of, you know, out of marriage. Um, majority of them will use tactics like. You know, it's old-fashioned, but the Bible hasn't changed. The Bible still stays the same, which means that you are not to, you know, um, have any kind of relationship sexually with a man unless you're married. And the man knows that as well as the woman. Right. But with the world today, it's like everything goes, you know, anything is okay, as long as everybody thinks it's okay. Yeah, I think that uh, that's what's happening is that, thank you, Rosie, for your call, you know, that we have gone so far beyond any sense of morality, except that it does kind of come around. There's an interesting thing that uh, I'm reading about that Gen Z, the younger generation, is dealing with, and it's something called radical monogamy, that this is a, a new thing. Have you heard about this? Radical monogamy. And there are several younger writers saying, hey, you know what? It turns out that we want monogamy. We want to only be with intimate with one person. And some people would say one person at a time, but others are saying, no, this is a new idea. We should be monogamous with one person for life. And um, what's interesting about it is that it acts like people writing about this are acting like this is some new idea. And they obviously know that it's not a new idea, um, but... I think this is coming out of the tremendous amount of hurt that people have. I mean, this is something that is just true. You ready? Every person listening to this knows somebody or they themselves are dealing with pain over something in the sexual area. All of us, we know somebody or it's us. In most cases, it's every one of us. Where there's been something that we regret or something that we did that has caused other problems. I mean, there are there are so many things, and we all know this. The big issues in our, our country the the problems that we have when it comes to divorce, when it comes to fatherlessness, when it comes to even motherlessness, when it comes to uh, pornography and all of the impact that that has. You know, one of the reasons that guys have trouble more and more often is because one of the things that pornography teaches is that women have male sex drives, that the expectation that a man has been building into himself nowadays since he was a little kid and he started watching it is that this is how women are because that's what he sees in the videos and that's not how women are at all. And so he pressures and then he gets mad and he wonders why it is. Or some of the women who have been into it, they're like, well, this is how I'm supposed to be. And then they go there and then they're suffering in so many different ways because it's powerful. It is it is something that is intended to be fantastic and magnificent in the context of a monogamous marriage uh, between a man and a woman. That's what it's designed for. It's designed for enjoyment in that in that realm. And outside of that, it burns down the house. And so outside of that, it, you know, you might find it fun for a while, but when you get older and when you start having to have conversations about your past, it gets really hard, doesn't it? And by the way, if this subject is hard for you, this is why we have a savior. Jesus, he died for this. We're not perfect. We have a lot of pain. We all suffer from these kinds of things. So you need to know that that you are uh, a part of the the family of God when you believe in Christ. That He knows this, uh, what's going on in your life and the decisions that you've made, and the pain that maybe is there. He understands it, and Jesus is there to help restore you. And the way to that restoration is to follow Him. 
to turn around and follow him. This is where I think guys, you know, everybody's responsible, but guys, we have to be leaders in this area. And we got to shut off the porn or shut off the social media or whatever you're looking at that is sort of pseudo, you know, porn, but somehow it's allowable because it's not quite, you know, R-rated or whatever. Uh, Don't save that for your wife, your eventual wife. Save that for your husband if, if you're into it. Anyway, radical monogamy is this idea that kids are discovering that maybe young people are discovering maybe monogamy is the way. And it's kind of funny because they they recognize that maybe this was something taught by the church. So what they do is they say, well, in the monogamy of our parents and grandparents, it didn't really work is what they say. But the more they start talking about monogamy, and I'm reading an article in the Washington Post about this, the more they start to say this, it's kind of... Uh, um, it's just something that people do. And we look at the past and somehow we think those people didn't think the way we think. There's a lecturer named uh, Phil Christman who wrote in a Substack post that his students have a bias so strong that I wonder if it's hardwired to believe that complexity itself is new. In the past, people were drones who acted on the tenets of religion or society or the way things were then, whereas now people think about what they, what they do which is a funny statement. It's called uh, chronological bigotry. Chronological bigotry is the idea that people who are in the past weren't as smart as us. Okay, the idea that whereas now people think about what they do, meaning that in the old days that there were just people who were monogamous, they were just following religion or they were following society or the way things were then, the way you did things then, and they never really thought about it, which is crazy. Of course they thought about it. Uh, They had a lot to think about it. Um, But the bias of the of this generation now is to look back and say, well, they didn't know what they were doing. They might've got it right, but they didn't know why they got it right. But we know why we got it right. That's why we, because we think about it. Um, And that's happening today. I think this is happening because the way our culture treats things sexually, it doesn't work. Uh, It doesn't make any sense. We keep adding letters to the LGBTQ, T-Q-A-I-A plus, with the plus on there, I think, because there's just so many different things now, and they don't even all work together. Uh, there's a whole nother conversation that's about to explode where LGB doesn't work with T and following. They're not the same philosophy. They are not the same belief about uh, human sexuality at all. They're, they don't work. You can't be bisexual if there's more than two genders. That's what bi means. And and if we're all just sort of on this this spectrum of gender somehow, well, then there really is no such thing as a heterosexual or a homosexual. So there is no, you know, it's just we live in this crazy world where we're trying to find the answers when the answers are staring us in the face. What it ultimately is is we don't want to obey Jesus. And radical monogamy is we understand that actually human beings are going to function better if we're monogamous, but we don't want to tip our hat over to God. We certainly don't want to suggest that God told us this is the way to do it thousands of years ago. And we certainly don't want to suggest that our parents might have been right or our grandparents might have been right. We don't want to do that. Um, And that's what generations do often. Um, So on the one hand, I think it's encouraging that maybe the younger generation is taking a look and saying, you know what, maybe I should not be promiscuous. Maybe that's bad. And they've grown up in a culture where they know everybody who's hurt by this, where they know the struggles, they know the pain, and they know it at a young age. And they're coming to this conclusion that maybe it's wrong. I would say that's positive, but it needs to get pointed towards Jesus, who is the one 
um, where this makes sense. The relationship that we would have with the Lord as his bride, all these things make sense. Uh, Maria from Lake Forest, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Maria. Yes. Um, yes, uh, I'm Maria from Lake Forest. Yes. I just, I was, uh, my first time, uh, uh, I was listening how, uh, uh, I just came to my mind because, uh, uh, every day watching this show that, uh, first of all, I know that, uh, you're right, uh, the family needs the Lord, uh, the father, the father. Uh, probably they came from a broken uh, home and they don't have a a good um, uh, role model of <clears throat> father. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, so what would you say is the solution? That could, uh, the the church should, you know, um, uh, like my pastor, they role model that to the. Uh, the church, so um, we we could see that, and uh-huh. um, then they could have some uh, seminar or uh, like a teaching uh, for uh, the fellowship for the men to be how to be a a good husband or mm-hmm. a good uh, father. Yeah, we need to do more of that. I got to take a break, Maria. Thank you for your call. I appreciate that. You know, the church is a place where we need to be having these discussions, but we don't have them very well. There's often men's ministries. There's usually a women's ministry, and often it's great. And sometimes there's some marriage ministries, although there's very few churches that have a functioning marriage ministry. It's kind of hard, and yet this is a big deal for us. You know, one of the things I think, and we'll go to break, and uh, maybe we'll get to this later or change the subject, uh, is that we as as believers need to be able to have conversation about matters of sexuality, matters of motherhood and fatherhood, where we are kind, but we are direct, where we see, okay, the younger people are saying radical monogamy, where we can say, you know what, you're right about that, and you've thought well about this. Um, And do you know why it works to have radical monogamy? It works because our hearts and our, our biological structures, the synapses in our brain, are not made to have multiple partners. They're made to have one, just like we're made to have one God, one Savior, who is Jesus Christ, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we need to be communicating in a kind and clear way to everybody, and that would actually help a lot. 888-528-2557 is the number. If you want to join us, 888-528-2557. This is the Monday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be back. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, good to be with you today. Number is 888-528-2557. I hope that you've got a good Holy Week planned. Maybe does does your church have plans this week? Sometimes there are Wednesday services. There are Thursday, Monday, Thursday services. Does your church do that? Maybe it's coming back this year. It's probably been gone or or altered in some way the last couple of years, but I bet it's close to back. Uh, this year. We had the best Palm Sunday service we've had in a long time. We had a great Palm Sunday service, really uh, a wonderful time worshiping the Lord and being together. A lot of guests, lots of people showed up and prayer walk we do on Friday. We've done Good Friday services before, but uh, it seems to be a good day for for prayer and reflection. 
and we're looking forward to Easter, I want to encourage you to go back to church if you haven't been to church for a while. Go on Easter and then go the week after Easter. Do you know what the the highest attended Sunday services are in America? They are Easter Sunday. I think you probably could figure that out. You know what the lowest attended week is throughout the year? It's the week after Easter. No joke. That is that is it. And you know why? It's because a lot of people they go to church, you know, once a, once a month, once every six weeks, once every you know. There's obviously the the Easter people, the Christmas and Easter people only. But then there are people who regularly go to church, if regularly means once every six weeks or once a month, once every eight weeks, something like that. Easter, all of your once a month, once every six weeks people show up. Everybody's there on Easter, and so they've checked in, and none of them show up the next week. And that's what happens. And uh, that's not good. What you should do is make a plan not only to go to church on Easter. You should do that. But go to church the very next Sunday. At Go to the same church. Unless you went there and they found out that they don't believe in Jesus and they're teaching like, well, Jesus didn't really rise from the grave. And there are churches that do teach that kind of stuff. The idea is that, well, uh, it was an idea of the resurrection. And then the apostles went out and they preached, you know, uh, love your enemies and love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and all the great teachings of Jesus. That, by the way, is not at all what the gospels are about or what the scriptures teach. Um, Actually, you find that the, uh, you know, one of the most amazing things is that when Peter is given the sermon at Pentecost after the resurrection and he looks at all those people, he doesn't say, uh, Jesus was a great teacher and he said, love your enemies and we should be inspired to love one another. He looked at all of them and he said, you killed the Messiah. You people, you killed him. Uh, <laughs> you need to repent. That's what he said. And guess what? Thousands of people got saved. And uh, they got the Holy Spirit. That's the message. The message, Jesus actually rose from the grave. He says, you killed him and he rose up and you saw him. And you saw him walking around this town. And we know it, you know it, we all know it. That's what he preached. That's the message that you should hear on Easter in one way or the other. That you know it, we know it. He rose again from the dead, dead, proving that he's the Messiah. This is this is the foundation of Christianity, by the way, the resurrection. It's an event. This is where Christianity is is founded, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's no resurrection, if he didn't physically come up, then uh, he's a nice teacher, but he's buried somebody somewhere, and uh, it's you know, you're going to have to find some other place for hope. The resurrected Christ, it matters. Did you know that you can go around and you can find a grave or a grave story, a legitimate one, about uh, founders of all the other religions in the world? They have tombs that you can find, or they were buried at sea, and there's a story and people who did it, or they are buried in, you know, one guy is buried in various little shrines around the world in different places. And you can go to Israel and look for Jesus's tomb, and you're going to find an argument. You're going to find different tourist attractions in different tombs, where one of them has a big shrine over it, and they say, this is the tomb of Jesus. But then there's another one in a garden on a hill. They say, no, this is the tomb of Jesus. There's another guy who's probably digging out a hole saying, I think this is the tomb of Jesus. Uh, here's, you know, let's sell some tickets. And nobody knows where the tomb of Jesus is. You know why? Everybody knows where all the other tombs are because they had a following and you put a marker on the grave in a store, you know where they're buried. Nobody knows where Jesus was buried because there was no body to bury. 
And that's why we argue about where the tomb was. That's why we can't be 100% sure that any of the places we're looking at are really it because they didn't put a marker down. They didn't have enough time. They only had a couple of days and all of a sudden Jesus is out. It's an amazing thing, the resurrection. Go to church and then go on Easter Sunday. And if they put on a big show, go the next week because that'll represent probably what that church is like on a regular Sunday. You ever do that? You ever go someplace on a Sunday for church or Christmas Eve? And it's this amazing, remarkable show. And then you go back the next week and none of those people are there. Uh, that's fine. That's, you know, the way to do it. But uh, you should, you know, realize that uh, not every church is, is got that choir and that program every week. And it doesn't matter. What do they believe about Jesus? Are they preaching Christ crucified or something else? If they're preaching Christ crucified, go there, get to know some people, serve, love people, make disciples. Get back into church if you've left. If you haven't gone to church for for a couple of years, can I encourage you to do that? Maybe you left church for some reasons. Uh, You left church because you had a bad experience, because somebody was not kind to you, Um, something happened. You know, follow Jesus. You know, those people that are in church, they're, they're sinners. The pastor's a sinner. Every, everybody is. Go there and worship the Lord. And go there and do, uh, you know, whatever you can to encourage people and build people up and encourage them to encourage you. Anyway, that's, just, that's my thought for, uh, for Easter. I'll probably say that repeatedly because it's an opportunity, isn't it? It's an opportunity to go back and remember what the church is for. Uh, to remember that actually every Sunday is um, Resurrection Sunday. Earlier in the this hour, we're talking about fatherhood. And, uh, you know, I'm going to leave you with this statement about dads. We asked, what do we do? Florida passed a law that's meant to help fathers, uh, $70 million to help mentoring programs and other programs to help father, uh, to help fathers be good dads, basically. And that's great. Great that we have a government that cares about that kind of stuff. I think it's great, but it also sends up a red flag that says, hey, the church ought to be doing that. You know, really, that's not the government's job from any governmental theory of how you run a government. Uh, That means that we are dropping the ball. What can we do? I encourage guys, women too, um, Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are the children after them. You're not going to be blameless, but you know, meaning perfect, but you can be blameless, meaning that you display the fact that you are trying to be right with God and that when you sin, you acknowledge that you sin. And you can acknowledge this to your kids. You know, if your kids see you doing something wrong or you you get caught in something bad, you know, you tell your kids, hey, dad sinned and uh, he is confessing his sin and I'm sorry to you and I'm sorry to Jesus. And you be that kind of dad. That's the blameless dad. That's the dad who is is not too proud to think that he needs to be perfect for his kids, but he's also not too quiet to just ignore it or afraid. Uh, we can be better dads, all of us, including me. Put the phone down. Talk to your kids. Go play a board game. Find a card game. Uh, go for a walk. Walk the dog. Do something. Listen to them talk about their video games or whatever it is that they're into. You know, love your kids if you got them. And if your your kids are grown up, listen to them. If you're if you're a dad, you know, try to reach out to your kids. I know it's hard. Uh, they're busy. They have jobs. You might have a job. You might be retired and you forgot how busy you get. And that's why your kids aren't calling. But uh, keep don't get discouraged. Keep loving them. Keep praying for them, and uh, keep doing that. And wives, uh, do the same. Pray for your husbands. Build them up. You know the 
fathers in this country, if fathers in this country start doing better, if we all start doing better as dads, the whole country gets better. Honestly, it's a it's a linchpin that would really, 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 really matter. Um, lots of other things going on, and we only have two minutes. Two minutes. What is the number one news source in America, according to a YouGov poll? The number one trusted news source. We could probably have a whole conversation about this. Maybe we will. Do you know what it is? According to a YouGov poll, it is the Weather Channel. Yes, the Weather Channel is the <laughs> is actually America's most trusted news source, the Weather Channel. And according to YouGov research, the Weather Channel is rated trustworthy by 52% of respondents. Only 52% of you trust the Weather Channel to tell you about the weather. That's that's how uh, messed up we are is that we don't even trust the Weather Channel to get it right. Now they're lying to us. Fake news on the Weather Channel. Anyway, uh, we have a great place to be because we don't have fake news. We have the gospel. We call it good news. And the good news is all over the place this week with Holy Week. We're going to be back tomorrow. We'll talk about what happened. What did Jesus do on Tuesday of Holy Week? And you might find that interesting. And uh, we'll have good conversation together. Thank you, everybody, for all of your calls today and uh, all the different things that uh, we've been able to cover. Uh, it's a great thing to be a part of a radio audience right here on KKLA. And if you're listening in San Diego down there on KPRZ, it's great that we can recognize that we have one God, that we're part of the same church, and he brings us together right here. We can do a lot when we follow Jesus together, when we turn our lives to him. Thank you for being part of our audience. I want to encourage you to go to kkla.com, check out the the podcast if you want to get this hour or any hour of our program. Plus, there are many other things on your your station's website, Uh, different ways to connect with other believers, different things. Maybe you send to your pastor some encouragements for your pastor that he needs, some opportunities to go, including some free breakfast coming up. Check it out. Go to the website, kkla.com. God bless you. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back with SoCal Live again tomorrow. Have a great evening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.